This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to The Late Show with me, Miss Said. The time is exactly 8pm on a very nippy 5th of March Saturday evening. I am really excited about tonight's show because we have the one, the only, super knowledgeable and super amazing Mr. David Goodwin Live, co-author of Organised Ideas. We'll be talking about all things into cognition. It's going to be a really super show. Don't go anywhere. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening. Hello, David. Hello, everyone. I am beyond ecstatic to finally be back live on Teacher Talk Radio. As some of you who follow me will know, I've had very poor health and sadly had to take a break, but now I'm alive and kicking. I'm ready to go. David, are you there, first of all? And if you hello. are, hello. How are you, Spire? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm all the better that you've managed to get in <laughs> without any technical difficulties. <laughs> Yeah, no, no problem. It's uh, yeah, it's. I've, I think it's the first time I've used Podbean. It's yeah, it looks brilliant. There you go, everyone. Live and exclusive on Teachers Talk Radio. Yeah. First time, <laughs> David Goodwin is on Podbean. I, I'm so relieved, David, and thank you so so much for taking time out of your ridiculously busy busy schedule to actually be with us tonight. For the listeners, we have been trying to get David on for a while, and either my health causes issues, and then something else happened on David's side, so we had to keep postponing it. So I'm just relieved that you're here this evening. Thank you again for being with us tonight, David. Now, David, just in case any of our listeners have been living under a rock, <laughs> please tell us a little bit about yourself and about your multiple roles that you hold in the world of education. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name's David Goodwin. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. Um, I'm co-author of Organise Ideas uh, with Oliver Cavaglioli. I'm a geography teacher, head of year, uh, associate assistant principal and uh, an evidence lead in education so I have uh, lots of plates that I spin um, very very much enjoy everything I do and um, yeah yeah just really grateful that obviously people want to, to listen to me on a, on a late Saturday evening <laughs> you and me both David you and me both <laughs> never underestimate what teachers find interesting know, David this is what I I've learned <laughs> Never underestimate that now, David. I, Out of all the people that I've interviewed on Teach Tour Radio so far, I've had Tom Sherrington on, I've had Andrew Bernard on, I've had Mr. Stammer on, I've had Fantastic Parent Advocate, I've had Mr. Halil, the Mr. Halil on. You are categorically, and I hope I don't offend the rest of them for saying this, you're the one that I actually had to do the most research for to formulate my questions. And I actually felt like I was carrying, undertaking an assignment of some description because the work because you all do... because all of the other people everyone knows. So. <laughs> oh, no, be fair to yourself. That's not what I was trying to get. Was the work you do is so, it's so invaluable, but it's also so complicated. And I was like learning things myself as I was going along. Now, cognitive science is something you clearly feel strongly about. And I think you, you've got arguably something that a lot of people are going to be very envious of. In organised ideas, for, obviously David will know this, and I know this because I've got the book and I've read it. In the foreword, you're actually by Mr Oliver Caviglioli himself. He labels you his successor in this field. I mean, come on now. That is something, isn't it? 
Yeah, that I mean, be a signature at work, shouldn't it? Mr. David Gooden, associate <laughs> Mr. Head and successor of <laughs> Oliver Carrigley Holy. Now, could you, for the benefit of our listeners, and, and by the way, this is a 90 minute show, so I'm, I'm really testing you here now, yeah. summarize what is cognitive science and what is cognitive load theory and what's the relationship between the two? Yeah, well. I suspect most people listening are familiar with cognitive load theory, so I'll, I'll sort of summarise that. And I think I, what what I'd like to do is try and add a, another layer to it, so something. Oh like yes, please do. People, yes, yeah, please people do. might be sort of less familiar with. So, cognitive load theory, John um, Dylan Williams described it, didn't he? Is the the single most important thing teachers, all teachers, should know. And absolutely, I, I recall, that should be that should be like in a standard somewhere. Yeah, really. I, I mean, if I recall. I started my teacher training some 12 years ago and no one ever told me about cognitive load theory. I, I didn't discover it till five or six years ago. And, you know, I'm te- sort of felt like I must've been teaching with my hands tied behind my back until then. So having that understanding of the limitations of the working memory and how we can maximize the potential to actually integrate our, what we're learning into our long-term memory and how we can organize our learning and, and develop that sort of rich schema that we can then retrieve knowledge on demand like that that was something i never really understood so being introduced and, and, and learning about cognitive science just elevated my teach, teaching to another level and then mm, sort of you know retrieval practice and the work of the learning scientists and dual coding and all, all of this stuff you know which is readily out there everyone can get access to it now everyone's writing about it and it's such i think it's such an exciting time to be in the profession because everyone teachers are really thirsty for this sort of thing and giving up the time on a weekend to go to research ed or listening to me on a on a saturday night at eight o'clock at night (laughs) so it it, you know it's it's all about the the kids isn't it about the students and, and and wanting to get better as practitioners so that we we can give the very best to our students so every single student that walks in our classroom can, can do the very best but so for me cognitive load theory single-handedly the most important thing but I, I sort of want to if for anyone that's not read the organized ideas book I'll, I'll go through some of the theories that we covered in that cover in that book which I think broaden will help broaden people's understanding of what cognitive load theory is and how we can look at widening and widening points of access to intellectual thinking for all students so one of the key theories of our book organized ideas is Merlin Donald's the external memory field so Merlin Donald if you don't know who he is he is a um, evolutionary psychologist neuroanthropologist neuroscientist so he's got such a, a broad field of expertise and he, he wrote a book called The Origins of the Modern Mind and dates back the three most significant events in the evolution of the, of the modern mind. So we first start with the, um, sorry, can you still hear me? Sorry, yes, I was typing. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm very attentive. <laughs> yeah, so um, so the, fir- the first sort of phase, the, he calls the mimetic phase, which is sort of early human development, very much representational acts. And we mimic we mimicked each other. And at each sort of evolutionary stage, 
the cognitive vestiges, the developments are retained. So we still see acts of representation in, in modern society and, and, and in education, we, we try to, to mimic one another. Yeah. The next stage is the mythic phase when we start to gesture and we've, uh, we've developed language. And so we, we start to use our body to sort of express what we want to say. We've got some sort of language, but at this stage, we're not really writing anything down. We've got no written language uh, to speak of. And the last stage, which is the shortest stage in our development of the modern mind, but also the stage that is most significant is what we call the theoretic stage. And it is largely attributed to the ancient Greeks. And what they did, which humans hadn't done before, was they put their thoughts out into the world. They externalized their thinking and the thoughts that they had were written down through marks on a page, whether that be writing, whether that be drawings. And those ideas could then be scrutinized by others. They could be refined, they could be developed, they could be, um, they, they could outlive the author of those ideas. So really, when we add that, if we superimpose what Merlin Donald was, was, was theorizing onto cognitive load theory, we arrive at, well, Oliver and I arrive at the conclusion that really at the core of cognitive load theory and the limitations of our working memory, at the core of it is the transient information effect. Before we had the ability to actually write things down and record our ideas. Everything was transient. All information was transient. It was spoken. It was representational acts. And all of that stuff just disappears as soon as, as, soon as it's gone. It disappears from, from our memory. So really, when we think about how we can manage the limitations of a working memory, at the core of that is, is transient information plus the complexity of information that we want to process, the volume of information and really to sort of try to think about it like this, what I, I sort of propose is that the problem was transient information. So our solution was to start recording ideas on the page. We started making marks on the page. But then that created a new problem, the new problem being there's just so much information out there. There's so much information for us to learn. There's so much information for our students to learn. And, and that's the biggest that, thing, isn't it? Just yeah. The biggest stress, regardless of ability, that's always the biggest stress because Ab of the time constraints we have on us, ourselves as educators as well, and getting the curriculum and absolutely, exams, and that's yeah, and that's that cultural knowledge, isn't it? It's that yes. if we if we add another uh, evolutionary psychologist perspective on it, uh, mm -hmm. David Geary's biological primary and biological secondary knowledge. So biological primary knowledge is the things that we don't need to be taught to do we've just evolved to do it so things like as i said previously gesturing working with others we've evolved to do those things whereas the biologically secondary knowledge is the things that we go to school to learn and there is just so much of it there is an abundance of it out there so going back to sort of the limitations of our working memory and and the work of Merlin donald we've got this issue around transient information so we you know we solve that by putting marks on the page but then now there's too many marks on the page and the two you know they could be too complex the written word is very dense students find it difficult to navigate yeah. dense text complicated syntax and really extract meaning from that so what we do in the organize well what we what we try to do in the organized idea book is give readers a set of tools which can help their students make meaning from the spoken word the written word 
And as I said, we, we use this phrase a lot. We, and we didn't actually use it in the book. We, we sort of arrived at it afterwards when we started to present together, which is widen points of access to intellectual thinking. Because for some students, or for many students, reading and writing is very difficult. And given, yes. given them a set of tools in which they can make meaning from read, reading and writing is, is, is invaluable. And that's really sort of, you know, the, the, the cornerstone of the book is that, that that is what we wanted to, to sort of achieve because we, we were seeing lots and lots of lovely examples of graphic organisers on, on Twitter and no one was really talking about what, what do you do with them? Like, how, how, do, you do, how do you teach with them? And, and what's what's their worth? What do you get out of them? What do your students get out of them? Because it's it's not surely it's not just to produce something that looks really pretty on a page. There's got to be some worth to it. And, and that's really the thing. Want... It's it's quite tempting to kind of make it look really nice, aesthetically pleasing, and yeah. oh look at this really cool succinct thing. But you're absolutely right, David. It's the crux of it is how are you actually using it because that's where the real effectiveness of it all lies. Yeah. Absolutely, and then and then. As we sort of finished organised ideas, we went straight into another project, which is the external mind, and that's as there's. I mean, there's a lot of what we cover in organised ideas that that is a part of the external the external mind, which um, is a book by Annie Murphy Paul, a, a, an American science journalist. And we've just finished uh, an inaction book with um, Emma Turner, so Emma Oliver and I have just finished an inaction book for that. And it sort of builds on nicely from what we've done. And, and again, it's about how it doesn't invalidate anything we know about cognitive load theory. It doesn't, it, it, it's not about that. It's actually about broadening, broadening our understanding of cognitive load theory. And even if we look at the sort of latest updates that Sweller, Fred Parr, Paul, Dr., uh, Professor Paul Kirshner, sorry, and um, that the, the, the latest update on cognitive load theory, they include elements of the extended mind, so embodied cognition, situated cognition, and the distributed cognition. And so it, it's there, and yeah, I don't think everyone is either aware of it yet or talking about it yet. And so that's sort of like the next layer that uh, hopefully we'll get to discuss during this, this session. No, absolutely. It's just for me personally. I mean, I'm relieved that someone of your caliber said what you said in terms of how late you came to cognitive load theory. Because the Senko, I actually came to when I became a Senko. Before then, no one had ever covered it anywhere with me in my 16, 17, you know, year-long career to date. And it really opened my eyes. And it sounds really simplistic that I'm going to say it now, but when I actually understood why what a cognitive load actually is and how a child can become burdened with too much information i thought oh so that's what that's what's going wrong mm. that's why they're not getting it and then it just completely transformed my take on everything cpd i gave to staff the way i taught my lessons you're absolutely right it's so so i'm surprised why i'm actually shocked why even now i've talked to ects and what have you and they have no yeah, idea. It's yeah. only the ones who are really like, you know, proactively and active on Twitter, actually, in fairness, who kind of take you know, the initiative to go and find that for themselves. But it's quite sad that it's not actually acknowledged in any formal sort of teacher training standards yeah, or I teacher standards or anything. But I it should think, be. Think, yeah, I think the simplest way of looking at, at cognitive load theory is just having empathy with the, the young people that sit in your classroom. So put put yourself in, in their shoes as, as novices of your subject or your, your age phase. As novices, what would you feel like being exposed to something that you've never ever been been taught before? What and and, and how how would that make you feel? And then from there, it's it, it becomes very simple in terms of having that appreciation that 
it is very, very challenging. And we need to do some things to, to help, you know, really, really make sure that it, it's not overwhelming. And the, I mean, my favorite examples of other authors or other um, education consultants and things like that, people like Tom Sherrington who just keep it super simple. So for example, when he's talking about modeling and the, and the baton handover, like give your students the independence when you know they're going to have a high degree of success. Like when I, in my teacher training year, it was like independent learning, independent learning. And, and, and as, you know, as far as I can tell, looking back, I had very little understanding of that. I, I thought it meant that students just, they're given some resources and they figure it out for themselves. I'm just, sorry to interrupt oh, you, but this is the one I remember vividly when I was in my early twenties and it was a mistake I made, but I obviously never made it again is, um, I'm sure everyone's made at some point in their careers. I said to the children, take notes. Yeah. Assuming yeah. straight away. Well, and it's such a complicated thing to do, to take notes. There's so many, you mentioned earlier in the show, so many different layers of things you have to do, like picking information out, decoding, etc. Then, you know, putting it into your own word, then presenting in a way that you can look back at it later. It's such a difficult thing to do. But you just say, oh, I take notes for 15 minutes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. T- take notes. And yeah, as adults, we struggle to take notes. We, yes. Because... <laughs> We don't know the things to attend to, so we don't know the th- when we're reading a piece of text that's unfamiliar to us. We don't mm-hmm. know the things that are in- important and are not important. So we sit there and we copy things verbatim. There's no cognitive processing going on. So mm-hmm. again, the written and this is probably one of my favourite phrases, and it's Mary Myatt who wrote this in the foreword of our of our book. Is the written word is dense, but the spoken word is transient. And it's just it just literally captures everything I think you need to know about cognitive load. Like reading is very difficult and, and speaking, it, it, it's transient information. I think, just think that is just such a perfect quote. And again, it, I, I think back one, one sort of like my passion stems from, I think back to all of my sort of early failings as a teacher through no fault of my own, like it, it's just that was how my teacher training was. And I've always been the sort of person that said, you know, show me a better way of doing something and I, and I will embrace that and, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll run with it. Uh, and that's really why, you know, I, I spend as much time as I do reading and writing around the, you know, this sort of stuff. So, no, yeah, yeah. honestly, honestly, I, I always get a bit biased for the fact that I'm a same kind of DSL, but <laughs> what you're talking about is so invaluable on my pastoral from a pastoral side as well as a curriculum side mm. because you know and I'm, again I'm, giving, I'm, I'm not I'm nowhere near your calibre in terms of how I express it and elaborate and how I, I explain it but it's a case of it affects behavior for example it does Absolutely. if you if you set a child a task that is going to burden them and cognitively they're going to struggle with it some of them are going to say do you know what sorry I'm just not going to bother trying because you just give me too much to do and I've got too much pride to admit that I need help with it so I'm just not going to do it and also it, it doesn't just apply. I know we're having a bit of focus on SEND students, but this actually benefits all students because you can have the same pressures put on a highly able student mm. as a low ability student. Because if you expect too much of them, it's the same thing, isn't it, David? Is yeah, that... absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. In terms it's... of what you're asking them to do, cognitive, the cognitive load, it's, it's still the same thing in terms of putting too much pressure on them. Yeah, absolutely. And it, there's, um, I think it's, there's a blog by David Didow who um, talks about find strategies that work with SND students and the lowest ability students and and deploy them across the board because high attainers will will learn from them regardless so find the things that are going to work with you you most vulnerable students and that that will work with all students so when you look at the 
the sort of research around graphic organizers and the shown to have you know high effect sizes with low ability students and, and vulnerable students SEND students it's that that is is really telling so it was another sort of thing in the the book we wanted to do was sort of break down some of these misconceptions not misconceptions boundary conditions some of the things in the in the research that might put people off on wanting to use them mm. and, and 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 actually show that yeah you know we we appreciate we, we respect them and we welcome them because actually it's important with any teach and learn strategy it's important to understand the guiding principles of how to use something so that it isn't misused so we wanted to con- confront that head on but just sort of going back to what you said about cognitive load theory across the board absolutely it, one of the things that it's sort of like in my area, the context of the schools in my area, I've, I've worked at two schools in my area, both of them outstanding schools, both of them with very, very high attaining students on entry, but there's still, there's still novices in your subjects. Yeah. You know, it, 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 depending on the, the diet at key stage two, the curriculum that's stood at key stage two, there's, there's still novices in, in my subject of geography. So just because they're high attaining doesn't mean that I can give them a textbook or a resource on and, and expect them to explain the formation of a of a waterfall or to understand the complexities of the demographic transition model, for example. The you know, the the tasks still need breaking down, the information still needs chunking, they still need some time to have some guided practice before they get that opportunity to have some independent practice. Uh, and so, I'll yeah. tell you something, oh, sorry David to interrupt you, but I'll tell you something, if, if Senko's nationwide could hug you right now, they probably would, because we're always harping on about the fact that SEND teaching strategies are not separate or additional mm, to no. a teacher's workload, they apply to everyone because it's, it's good quality teaching, absolutely. It, you said it better than I did, it benefits everyone, regardless. Yeah, absolutely, I, I think there's a, I think you've got a, a sort of question later in, in this session haven't we that we're, we're yes we are, yeah. so I'll, I'll sort of resist the temptation of, of adding can you say also david is categorically no offense to any of my previous guests the most conscientious guest i've actually had in terms of checking up on have you got the questions for me what time are we meeting have you got the hey, link so thank you for that david I'll, I'll, I'll send you a photo of my prep player so that'll, that'll show <laughs> I, I, I practice what I preach, and that's that's one thing. Like I tell you, we've got one of the TTR executives, uh, Nathan, in the show right now. I think Nathan, oh, we're going to ask David to produce something for guests. <laughs> kind of, how yeah. do you be on Teachers.radio? <laughs> no, when, when, I mean, just um, sidetracks like that. When, when we were writing the book, the Organised Ideas book, we, we, I'd love for people to see how we went about doing it because we literally produced the book exactly how we tell, how we're, suggesting teachers use organizers and, and how they think about st- knowledge structures and uh it, so it's literally the, the same process we the, the process is we collect all of our thoughts all of our ideas so we do all of our research all of our reading we collect it we we call the things that we don't think uh, will stand up to reasoning or, or we, we don't think uh, are necessarily useful we then organize it we then perform, we, we sort of refine and reflect because once we've had a, an initial sort of performance where we've put, you know, writing on the page, we've externalised it, we can see what works and what doesn't, we can improve it, we can develop it further. So we literally, like, the, the whole process was all about the, the, the organising process, the select, the, the, the SOI model, essentially, the Ferella and Mayer select, mm-hmm. organise and integrate. Yeah. 
and it, it, it just and and I stand by that in terms of my day to day operations. Like that, that's how I get by. Is I have to put my thoughts out there. I have to externalize them. I have to. I, I keep a notebook with me all the time, and that notebook's there so that if, when I have my best ideas, I can write that down. And I've got a different notebook for each of my various different projects. And then we go. We, we use a. Uh, an online platform it's called the mural and basically it's like digital sticky notes oh wow yeah so you go on and you, yourself and, and whoever you're working with can work on it at the same time so it's you'll put an idea on a sticky note and you can start to organize all of those ideas into oh so like an, basically an online collaborative planning tool mm, yeah yeah so an online... i have to say i have to say david seriously i'm teased my colleagues and family and friends on how organized I am but seriously you are putting me to shame right now no, honestly I, <laughs> you I, are I'm just not. something this, else this, I, am, I am I am about certain things but it, it's it, it was so invaluable because as soon as you can start to see we, we operate sort of like we, we say we're, we're going to operate to space so it's not about word counts and things like that we it's we think of each page as a double page spread and each sort of key idea is dedicated, a double page spread is, is dedicated, but then you need to think about the most logical sequence and the sequence that has the, that makes the most sense, that's going to make the most sense to the reader and is really going to build up the argument. And, and, and again, you sort of think about all of your different uh, sections. So as soon as you've got all of your ideas, then you can start dedicating them to sort of each of the sections and then, then we went about signing. So I'm sort of going off uh, off piece. No, no, it's, it, no, Dave. It's um, actually really good that you're doing that because the thing is, in a way, well, the, the way I read it when I buy, just so just just so you know, by the way, high praise indeed. Our executive, one of our good producers, Nathan's actually texted in. I loved his book. I quote. Oh, That's high you. praise indeed. Thank, thank you for that, Nathan. As did I and many others. I I personally loved the layout of it because it is just so easy to look at and follow. And I think I don't know if you intended to do this, but it's actually almost like you've modelled to as educators, how we should be approaching it with our lovely young people. Yeah. Really putting that, that time uh, in, that, in that dedication to sort of making sure everything flows and follows the way it should to, to aid them and their understanding. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm very fortunate, obviously, working with Oliver. I, I, I did an A-level in, in graphics design, so I, I had previous experience of it, but I was very keen when I started working with Oliver to reacquaint myself with that background like I hadn't done it for so many years so I was really keen to not let him because I was blown away when I first started working with him I cannot believe he wrote dual coding with teachers on his own because you have to appreciate the amount of hours that go into not just the the writing but all of the illustrations every single illustration in that book all of the page layouts he did so when we started working together I was like, no, we, we, I want you know the same amount of responsibility here. So we, you know, fifty-fifty on it, same number. Of yeah, and no pressure want, there, want, though, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but but you know, he was he, he's been absolutely brilliant with me in terms of being my mentor and and guiding me and, and giving me constant support and feedback. So I've I've learned so so much in in such a short space of time, but just the volume of work that he was able to put together on his own is, is just astonishing. And then when we, when we was getting to the end of organized ideas, I think it's, I think it's about 320 pages. It, it's, it's really meaty. And I, I, I remember him saying when we first started working together, he said, he said there was no way he wanted to sort of embark on a, on a large project on his own again, which is 
sort of how we ended up working together. But yeah, sorry, I'm I'm going to stop there because I'm, I'm, I'm talking <laughs> no, about. You know, honestly, David, you know what's have... really lovely and heartwarming is your passion. Like it's emanating through the through the speakers of my laptop, and I honestly, really, really, it's lovely to hear you literally live and breathe. And that's why we love having guests like you on our show because you literally are a teacher. You're talking yeah, on the radio. And that, <laughs> that's yeah, what you're supposed to be doing. That's yeah, absolutely fine. And that's, and and just to correct you, though, because I'm the geek who's got it in front of me, it's 336. Just 336, that. right. And, <laughs> you were far off. You were far off. And, and, that, and that's like, I mean, we, we had some amazing contributions as well. Like we we I, I sort of wanted to... I remember asking Oliver on several occasions, I was trying to pin him down to like, what's our limit? Because I was we were just inundated with so many amazing examples. And in the end, we, we didn't put a limit on it. We just we, we used pretty much all of them um, that we could in, before the deadline sort of wraps up. So over 50 teacher examples from different subjects, different phases. We've got, uh, you know, someone from Australia, America. So just, yeah, really blown away by people's desire to, you know, wanting to share their, their stories as well and, and their expertise. You know, what's really lovely about that is the fact that, and obviously I'm talking about a show that I'm a host on, I love that sort of sentiment because it's the same symbol. You can actually mirror that up with what we do at Teacher Talk Radio. We've got such a broad range of hosts mm. from practically everywhere, different corners of the world, different, you know, uh, sectors of education, etc. It's just nice to have that because it's like a microcosm of the world of education, isn't it? You get the, the, the wider the variety, the more people relate to it and say, oh, They've, they've got a contrib- contributor who's actually from the same background as me, so there's more to, to relate to. It makes it more credible to them when they're actually, you know, taking on board what advice is given in the book. So I think that's a beautiful idea to have that many contributors. Now, we've got to go into a break. Yes. So we're going to get a bit of a change of variety. So listen to David and I speak. <laughs> now you're going to hear some of our wonderful people uh, delivering the news and tech and ad breaks to speak to you. So please don't go anywhere. And I'll be back with David in about 80-ish minutes. So don't go anywhere. Stay here. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. 
our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. A report on the Politics Home website explores the issue of the UK granting refuge to staff and students at British international schools in Ukraine. In a letter to Boris Johnson, Colin Bell, CEO of the Council of British International Schools, urged the Prime Minister to provide a safe haven to 700 children and numerous Ukrainian staff at schools in the war-torn country. Under the current scheme, only Ukrainians with relatives in the UK are entitled to seek refuge, while those with no family links must be sponsored by a person, business, charity or organisation. The British International School has three campuses in capital Kyiv and the city Dimpiro, both under siege from Russian military. In the letter, Bell says they have significant concern for the 700 children enrolled in the school, and he requests reassurance that no barrier will be put in their way to enter the UK. A government spokesperson responded to Politics Home by reiterating the rules of schemes currently in place. In Scotland, the TES magazine reports that Scotland's largest teaching union has opened a consultative strike ballot over Dundee City Council's proposals to move to a faculty structure in its secondary schools. Faculties have long been established in many parts of Scotland and involve more than one subject being grouped together under the leadership of a faculty head. The EIS teaching union is urging all of its members in Dundee secondary schools to support strike action. Critics of the faculty approach argue that it is driven by cost-cutting rather than improving standards. The EIS says the plan for Dundee will cost money and remove valuable experience and leadership. Stuart Hunter of Dundee City Council said, The change is designed to improve the quality of learning and teaching in our secondary schools and is only one of a range of measures to improve the situation as we work to reduce the attainment gap. In an article in the Daily Nigerian, Dr Peter Ogodoro, 2021 Facebook Community Accelerator Award winner says functional education delivered by highly motivated teachers should be considered Africa's route out of poverty. Mr Ogodoro made the comments whilst addressing Kenyan teachers in Nairobi. He said that Facebook was supporting a Nigerian teachers community of over 300,000 members to promote learner-centred teaching. He said Facebook was assisting teachers in acquiring cutting-edge skills in teaching and school promotion to help improve teacher welfare and promote economic well-being. Speaking about teachers' conditions of service, he encouraged public and private school owners to pay teachers well and invest enormously in their development. 
Mr Ogodoro said he founded the Nigerian Teachers Facebook community in 2016 as a platform for teachers to share free resources for quality teaching and networking. Mr Ogodoro is an alumnus of the University of Reading, where he earned a PhD in education. The National Association of Head Teachers Union reports on its website that leaders representing schools across Wales were joined by their Education Minister Jeremy Miles as they debated key issues for schools in Wales at NAHT Cymru's annual policy conference. Delegates will debate and agree key policy objectives on curriculum and assessment, accountability, well-being, funding, as well as a range of other issues. Karina Hansen, president of NAHT Cymru, thanked him for joining to hear the concerns of school leaders in Wales. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's two minute tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want, window select which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button, some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned, there is, finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar, right click the icon and select pin to taskbar, now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, welcome back to The Late Show with myself, Miss Said, and the exceptionally knowledgeable as we're learning even more than before, Mr. David Goodwin. I feel like I'm just getting an exit CPD session tonight. This is what I feel like an interview, David. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, first of all. And I can't sadly share it right now, but David just kindly shared with me via DM. He's prepped for this evening. You weren't lying, were you? <laughs> No, so you've actually you put me to shame. I I salute you, Sky. I really do salute you. Now we have been covering lots and lots about cognitive science and cognitive log theory and graphic organizers, and now we're going to get on to the question of all questions. And I, mm-hmm. I, I know I've got a shameless bias. I am a senko. I was a senko before I became a DSL. Is something I'm really passionate about. Now I'm sure. And I know I've got a lot of Senko friends, in fairness, and I know, David, that I speak on behalf of most of them when I say that understanding cognitive load theory is absolutely vital to our work, and I think for teachers in general, because it it helps them understand the challenges faced by, not not just send learners, but particularly send learners, because they do have, I've got a lot of students, for example, who have cognitive processing, you know, needs where they, it's a lot slower for them, you know, to sort of process information and what have you. Now, this quote for me, from organized ideas just it really just stuck with me when I read it I kind of had a whoa 
moment because for me it just summed up so beautifully exactly what caused me stresses when I was much younger Senko, than I am now and sometimes even now does my head even when I've sit there and think about how I'm going to overcome certain challenges and if I may if you may oblige out the sort of a humor me and let me kind of you know uh, indulge me let me say what the quote is here yeah it is I, I say quote here so open quote special education was founded on the strategy of task analysis breaking things down into their constituent parts is the way to access success however the very pupils who need this segmentation are the same ones who are easily overloaded with too many pieces of information. Once again, story of my life here, by the way, people, <laughs> the solution becomes the problem. Chunking to the rescue. What advice can you offer us, Mr. Goodwin? Yeah, how so can we, as kind of, how can we overcome? We've got these curriculum challenges. We've got the pressures of, you've got to get the scheme of learning in the next mm. six weeks. You've got to cover this module in the next month. We've got mock exams coming up, et cetera, et cetera. How do we... Um, <laughs> I, I know this again literally this is half the show left now what a question to ask you I'm, I'm, putting, I'm testing you in I've, I've got every faith in you in fairness David how do we help students retain and you know, access knowledge you know, process it retain it apply it where do we start so over the, to you <laughs> yeah so the, 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 the quote that you've, you've just read out there when we analyse tasks and we and we begin to chunk them up. The very students that need the tasks chunking up are the same students who are going to be overwhelmed when they've got too many chunks to process. Yeah. So, if we, you know, if we if we split a task up into chunks and then that becomes overwhelming, where, where do we go? What do we do? So, um, wow, it's a broad question, isn't it? So, um, it is. It- <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what we what we, Can we pick a part of it that would make it easier. To, yeah. In no. terms of yeah, go on. Sorry. You're going to say something, please, if you want to say something. Yeah, please. yeah. So what, what, yeah, what I, was, what I was going to say is what we were, when we were sort of writing that spread, what we were trying to get, well, what we were presenting is something called visual instruction plans. So a visual instruction plan can be used for extended writing, which is it's a, a very effective tool for structured writing, extended writing. And essentially what what you do is with your students is you will break down an extended piece of writing into its constituent parts, whether that be paragraphs, themes, whatever it, whatever it is that you want, you're breaking it down into. And what you're trying to do before any sort of writing takes place is you are checking that the knowledge is secure enough. You are checking that the knowledge, the key ideas and concepts that you want them to be able to write about are externalized and recorded on the page in a manner that makes it easier to focus on the act of writing itself. So as an opposed to a student feeling very, very overwhelmed with not just the complexity of writing and the difficulty of writing, but also actually remembering what to write about taught how to organize their ideas in this manner the their working memories are free to actually focus on the act of writing as opposed to worrying what to write about as well so i would you know i would be developing strategies with my students that help them prepare for those sorts of key performance you know those key performances that you want them to um, be able to, to to be able to do now unfortunately for 
our students, they, they do at some point in their life have to sit their exams and, and they can't take in a, a mind map into their exam. That, you know, mm. they can't do that and we, we can't get past that. But in the real world, they, they, they're going to be able to use these, these cognitive tools that we, we propose in the book. And, and as, I've shared, as I sent you um, in that interval there, I, I've mapped out my thinking. And it, regardless of the fact that I'm knowledgeable in, in the stuff that I've put down on the page, I've had to put it on the page and get it organized so that nothing, I don't miss anything. And, and when, when I've, ex- and I keep going back to this phrase, externalize, when I've extended my mind, when I've put my thoughts out there, it becomes very easy to sort of talk about these things and articulate them because my thinking, that, that schema that's in my, my long-term memory, all of those, you know, all of those concepts and the links between all of them, it's there on the page. Our schemas are very fuzzy, even as experts are very fuzzy. They're not very good for communicating information to people. So, when we sort of tidy them up and neaten them up on the page, it becomes much easier for us. Those thoughts reflect back to us and our working memory is sort of, it's being given a boost. We're, we're augmenting our thinking with, a, you know, a sort of stable and a, a, an artifact that just means that we can put together longer trains of thought that we wouldn't be able to do if we did everything solely in our head. Now, to go back to our students, what do we do with them? Well, we, we help them develop these tools like, you know, the 30 plus organizers that we, we have in the book. We help develop their thinking across these four different types of tools. So we've got four types and the four types are based on the nature of the task, the language of the questions being asked. So most, most, act, most learning events will fall into one of these four categories. We either want our students to be able to define something, give an overview, explain something, categorize something. We might want them to compare two different things, so look for similarities and differences. We might want them to look at temporal relations, so we want to look at things like sequence of events, or we want to look at cause and effect. And more often than not, whatever we want our students to do will fall into one of those four categories or a combination of one of, uh, more than one of those four categories. And as such, we can help organize their thinking and reveal the knowledge structure behind the content based on the language being used, the question being asked. So that's how we sort of organize the organizers. So now we know the nature of the task we can select the correct tool to help augment our thinking. And if we go back to sort of what I was saying just before the interval, this, the SOI, the select, organize, and integrate phase, the first thing we want our students is to select the most appropriate information. So we can work with them to do that, and we can do that in small steps. So we select the most things. It could just be done as simply as, as listing the key ideas. Uh, we, If I was a TA, I was a TA in my very first, before I went into teaching, I was a TA again now I would carry a pack of post-it notes with me everywhere I went because you I can almost <laughs> yeah, agreed. You can, Absolutely. yeah you can almost get your students to think about the very ideas they have are objects so they write one idea down per, per sticky note and then they can start to configure them into the most sensible conf- the, the most appropriate what sorry let me go back one idea for sticky note, and then they can begin to organize them, whether you want them to organize them into groups or whether you want to organize them with things that are similar. So you put the sticky notes close together 
or things that are different, you put them further apart. Or if you want to have a look at sequencing, you put the post-it notes in the correct order. Or if you want to have a look at cause and effect, again, put the cause close to the effect. And that becomes sort of like the first step in, in organizing your thoughts. And then you can start thinking about putting your organizer together. And then that's the beauty. This is the beauty. This is the, the key part is what do you do next? Well, you can have your students peer, peer, peer explanations, self-explanations, and they're more likely to be able to talk to each other about what you want them to talk about because the thoughts are out there. They're in the world they've externalized them. So then they don't feel as overwhelmed by that. And then when they're having those sort of peer explanation conversations, the teacher can monitor those, those conversations. They could be listening. They could be checking for understanding, checking there's no misconceptions. The peer that's listening can be critiquing their students' work and then they can refine their thoughts, they can refine their organiser result of that. And then when you know you, when you feel like most students are going to have a high degree of success, then you can get them to put all of that into practice. So I would say fundamentally what you really want to be getting students to do and helping students with is being able to organise their knowledge it's not a secretarial task it's not about making sure you're organized in terms of having your equipment it's about revealing to students the intricate structure of your internal schema as an expert you are making that explicit to them it's like peeping behind the curtain it's like dorothy seeing seeing the wizard of oz for the first time behind the (laughs) You know, it's what a fabulous exposing. analogy! Absolutely, it, it, it's something Oliver said to me, and, and I, I love whenever I get opportunities. <laughs> I have to, but it, it, it is that you are you you're pulling the curtain back and you're showing them exactly how knowledge is organised in your mind as as an expert. So helping them see how well helping them organise their thoughts in the service of really really deep and meaningful work something that they wouldn't be able to do and I, I had a year seven student say say to me last year we, we, I got them to produce a mind map and afterwards I demonstrated modeled to them how each branch of the mind map now can be transformed into a paragraph and the student just flew away with it like in terms of the, the, the writing afterwards and he said to me why can't every teacher teach me to write like that and and that was just like yeah wow just and you know, moment. I'm glad you've said that, David. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's we were talking about this earlier in the show as well, about the, the, the shame that it's not shame that's wrong with you. So it's so sad that in the ECT programs and what have you, mm. and new teacher programs, they don't cover this because the amount of times there's a senko more than anywhere near as a DSL, of course, with senko and I'm advising teachers, not just new teachers, but experienced teachers too, that if something went wrong in your lesson, and you, you explained you'd be true with the four categories, what have you actually asked them to do? And what you ask them to do, could they actually do it? And if they couldn't yeah. do it, did you give them the tools to do it? And then, then the sudden light bulb of, ah, oh, so that's why it fell apart. You know, it, it's, it's, if that's taught in the beginning, not going to be gullible and say, oh, we'll solve all problems like, you know, behavioural issues mm. and what have you, but it would, it would help considerably, surely, because it's such, such a vital part of a lesson, isn't it? Lesson planning in itself, am I actually giving them the tools requisite to do what I'm asking them to do? And if I'm not, then what am I there expecting is, to happen I mean, besides... The, the, the reason that teachers aren't, aren't taught it, and this is, I don't mean this to sound in any way derogatory of any material that's come out before our book, because Oliver's written plenty about this as well. There's not, there's not been many, many resources out there that actually show teachers how to do this stuff. Like the stuff in organized ideas, 
is you know it's essentially i look at it it's like it's a catalog like you can dip in and dip out of it if you want the theory that that's all at the front but if you just want to pick it pick it up and you know find how to do something you can do so with ease and you can put it down again but before i think no one was really speaking about the you know four categories before oliver established these four categories no one was talking about which organizer to use so you had teachers using the incorrect organizer for the, the job at hand. It's like using a, a hammer to try and screw a screw in the wall. It's, it's just bonkers. Like using the correct tool for the job is a really important part of it. And if you don't, guess what? It's not going to work. That's the thing um, that you see. Um, so I'm trying to get off. I keep like, dropping you again. I do apologize. Yeah, don't worry about it. Again, I get me excited. The ideas here, but the, you're right because I've seen a lot of I've seen things akin to it or similar to it, but they've mm. been in very specialist. Like specialist books like send books like you know linked to I don't know um, elements yeah. of like a, how to support autistic children or you know so really specific books that not yeah. everyone's going to pick off a bookshelf and want to read because they won't necessarily think it you know pertains to be it's pertinent to their yeah. own yeah. yes it's not actually into them at all you're absolutely right that it just it still sadly does need to be included and there have been so many different like you know things I, I don't want to talk about <laughs> like you know um, fads that have come out. I'm sure you've, you've come across many in your time. I've come across so many that everybody on the bandwagon. I remember being in my early 20s. I'm not going to say what they are because I don't want to get sued or offend anybody, but there's so many little things that, that oh, this is the trend this year. Everyone's following this yeah. little thing. And, and it's and, basically fizzled out. Yeah, and we had the same with we, and with graphic organisers. And, and, you know, there's, there's many people. I don't think anyone questions the effectiveness of them. I, I, yeah, I never see any what I, what I, what I find is people are skeptical about the investment in time of putting them together versus doing something else to try and achieve the same outcome. Like I don't see anyone, I, 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 you know, I see people questioning the need, for example, to use icons. Like we've on the very first page of the book, we make it very clear that graphic organizers are not dual coding. You don't have to use images. So we, we sort of tried to divorce ourselves from that sort of debate about icons and using them and not using them. We tried to get ourselves away from that very quickly. I mean, don't get me wrong, you pick the book up and it, it's very well illustrated and there's lots of icons, and but that's not how we're proposing teachers teach with, with graphic organisers. In fact, we we, st- we developed the term word diagrams and we use the term word diagrams instead of graphic organisers because actually they use words they're presented in a, in a diagrammatic form to temporarily bypass the complex of syntax. And that, so we don't need to really actually use any images. And we use the example of, um, we use the example of visually impaired people. So visually impaired people access information through, and access map and diagrams through the information being embossed. And when they do that, that sends a signal to the working memory where they can construct an internal representation of that information. So as such, really the visual element of a word diagram is only a means to access the information. The actual power behind them, the this visuospatial representation that is in front of them, in front of you, is the spatial aspect that makes a difference, not the visual. The visual is just a means to access it, just like for a visually impaired person. They use embossed letter, you know. They use embossed marks on a on a page or on a on a yeah, wall to access the, picture, yeah. yeah to access the information. So actually, the real the, the element that makes the difference is the spatial element. So 
we we try to sort of get ourselves away from that that debate immediately because it's just fruitless. It's it's just it doesn't tell us. It doesn't add to the the conversation around them. Yeah, we 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 wanted to be talking about how do you construct them, how do you get the most out of them, how do how do stu- how do you help students scaffold the learning by using them. Now links beautifully into my next question which I have to I'm, I'm making a new practice Thank now and you're yeah. the first person on my guinea pig with this but I'm going to ask mm. more devil's advocate questions wholeheartedly I, yeah. I'm a massive fan of graphic organizers and they've got some from me but from my own, my own work that I'm doing CPD with staff etc that I mentioned earlier some like when we discussed before about you know the time constraints of the curriculum is placed on us you know there's pressures of mock exams read exams and so on and so forth is it ever okay, is it ever acceptable to only give STEM students pre-made graphic organisers and say, you know what, I haven't got the time to teach them how to make one, it's too, you know, it, it, this isn't going to work if I say let's let's break up the stages of, you know, making a graphic organiser, I'm really worried and stressed, I've got pressures of marking this, that, the other. Is it ever acceptable just to give them a pre-made or half-created, sorry, um, graphic organiser, say, right, just finish the, finish the second half off because I'm stressed about time? The part that, so, Would that ever work? <laughs> yes and no. So the first, when you first start teaching with them, like the the two most cited sort of issues people cite when when saying I you know can't use them, it's the difficulty to construct them and the time to construct them. So those are the two that that most people sort of cite. And I think there's a, there was a piece of research presented on the Learning Scientist website that's that mentioned it took a a group of students 15 weeks to master how to construct a concept map and i'm just like wow bonkers (laughs) i can teach it in 15 minutes and like that and and look what what it's about is when students first start using them yes templates are useful like even when a student's created them for a long time and has experienced do so if it's a complex you know complex diagram that they're going to end up finishing with because the content is complex then yeah it's you know a template is is very useful it's going to save time it's going to increase the likelihood that they're going to have success at organizing the information so absolutely what i wouldn't do is give them a completed version and say there you go that's that's my thinking i would potentially provide them with a partially completed model and then show them how the next part, you know, you know mm-hmm. the next section of it looks. And then I would expect them to be able to be able to, but it, it's like anything. It, it, it takes time. It takes practice. And it, yes, it's a time investment, but if I could show people examples of what, what students have been able to achieve in my classroom through, through using these, I don't think anyone would be able to argue that it wasn't time well spent um like if you if we think about using my subject as an example geography it is so rich in connections across topics like concepts and ideas and i need my students to know that in order for my students to be successful they need to know that deforestation is linked with economic development and you know they sit on two different two different exam papers when they finish in year 11 but they need to they need to know those connections and what better way of actually getting that across to them than really explicitly revealing it to them making it 
you know, making it very, very clear to them, this is how they link. So it's a time investment. Scaffolding with templates is useful. One thing I'd say for teachers is when you create a few of these, so once you've, once you've created a few, you've got templates that you, you, you can begin to sort of duplicate for other things like similar knowledge structures, content that's similar. You, you, you begin to build up a bank of them really, really quickly. So it's a time investment, but equally, some of my best best pieces of work are just with me with a visualizer and a piece of paper. Absolutely, and, massive fan of visualizers. They're, they're, the, they're true godsend as well. But you're saying the resource bank, surely, then, David, you create something in geography that somebody else could utilize for a similar sort of uh, nature of task in science or yeah, maths absolutely. or what have you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Because and, the, the organizers, the, 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 the four types of organizers are the same across any subject. That that part is, you know, it, it's the four, re, four types of reasoning, the language, the nature of the activity, and they will crop up in... in, in all subjects so it that that aspect of it the actual the templates are, are really really quick to start building up a bank of them but I'll, I'll, I'll sort of talk you through uh something i've been doing with some of my year 10 students over the last few weeks and it, it, it worked so so well which is um, I've, I've called it a post organizer so basically at the end of every one to two lessons at the end of the lesson, we'd do sort of like a little review of what they've learned. And what I'd get my students to do was transfer, transform what they'd learned onto a branch of a mind map. So we say, right, lessons one and two, this is what we've learned. We're going to arrange it onto, onto this mind map. We'll do it together. So we, so we did it together. The next lesson, the students came in and what they had to do was they, they got the mind map out, they kept the book closed, they got the mind map out and then they had to explain what they understood about the contents of their mind map to appear. And it wasn't just simply reading the words that were on the mind map. They had to articulate what they could recall about the content. So they would explain it to each other, then they put the mind map away, and then I'd do some retrieval practice with them because there's emerging research at the moment from neuroscience. There's two really, really good research papers really and endorsed by real reputable people in the cognitive science community that priming is a real effective way to increase success in retrieval practice it's almost like having a, a boost uh, sorry having your initial vaccine jab you have your initial jab but then you get the boost when when you start to do the next part so you, you do your priming with your your, your peer-to-peer explanation and then you get to to do the retrieval practice so everyone's two lessons they were building up this mind map of the of the topic so then at the end of the topic they've got this external representation this this schematic of everything that they'd learnt presented on a page and they could fly with it in terms of sitting and having deep and meaningful conversations about the content that they'd learnt and then they could I could say to them right we're going to do some review work I want us to review everything that we've been learning about urban deprivation you've got your mind map there speak to each other right now I'm going to ask you a series of challenging questions based on that and because again they'd sort of give their working memory a boost by getting all of the thoughts out there and putting them on paper and organizing them the actual verbal conversation that the conversations they were having were far more fruitful and then subsequently the 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 actual written pieces of work were you know far far more interesting and 
and, and, and purposeful and, and had meat to them, which the, the, they just wouldn't have had had we gone about doing it in, in some other way. Right. I think people have been taking copious notes whilst you've been talking, David, and kind of so do, reviewing so their lessons that, for gets, next yeah, week. It, it, it really, it, really gets, it gets part fat. of the fun. It gets the cogs rotating, doesn't it? But it actually yeah, does. But it, really but it bypasses that, you know, that complaint of time. So, okay, so it's difficult, you know, they take a long time, they're difficult. So dedicate, I mean, it took five minutes at the end of every one to two lessons. Once I'd shown them it once, they could do it again. And, and so they, they could do it themselves because it, you, that at that what at that point it's broken down, and I think they the, the probably had six main branches coming off the mind map, and then loads of you know other branches coming off that. But they were able to do that because I modelled it in the first place, and then they weren't overwhelmed because it was small chunks at a time, but it progressively built up to be a much larger diagram. That had I got them to do it in its entirety as a, I don't know, a revision lesson before an assessment, they wouldn't have been able to construct it to the same quality. And uh, yeah, so that, you know, that that's sort of a my little hack, if you like, to bypass those, those concerns that people might have. Julie noted, said on that note, we're going to take a break from our voices and let you listen to our lovely weekend news team. So stay tuned. We're we'll back in a few minutes and continue this fascinating, genuinely seriously, David, brilliant conversation. Don't Thank go you. anywhere, listeners. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us... You'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group, 
If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. report on the Politics Home website explores the issue of the UK granting refuge to staff and students at British international schools in Ukraine. In a letter to Boris Johnson, Colin Bell, CEO of the Council of British International Schools, urged the Prime Minister to provide a safe haven to 700 children and numerous Ukrainian staff at schools in the war-torn country. Under the current scheme, only Ukrainians with relatives in the UK are entitled to seek refuge while those with no family links must be sponsored by a person, business, charity or organisation. The British International School has three campuses in capital Kyiv and the city Dimpiro, both under siege from Russian military. In the letter, Bell says they have significant concern for the 700 children enrolled in the school, and he requests reassurance that no barrier will be put in their way to enter the UK. A government spokesperson responded to Politics Home by reiterating the rules of schemes currently in place. In Scotland, the TES magazine reports that Scotland's largest teaching union has opened a consultative strike ballot over Dundee City Council's proposals to move to a faculty structure in its secondary schools. Faculties have long been established in many parts of Scotland and involve more than one subject being grouped together under the leadership of a faculty head. The EIS Teaching Union is urging all of its members in Dundee Secondary Schools to support strike action. Critics of the faculty approach argue that it is driven by cost-cutting rather than improving standards. The EIS says the plan for Dundee will cost money and remove valuable experience and leadership. Stuart Hunter of Dundee City Council said, The change is designed to improve the quality of learning and teaching in our secondary schools and is only one of a range of measures to improve the situation as we work to reduce the attainment gap. In an article in the Daily Nigerian, Dr. Peter Ogodoro, 2021 Facebook Community Accelerator Award winner, says functional education delivered by highly motivated teachers should be considered Africa's route out of poverty. Mr. Ogodoro made the comments whilst addressing Kenyan teachers in Nairobi. He said that Facebook was supporting a Nigerian teachers community of over 300,000 members to promote learner-centred teaching. He said Facebook was assisting teachers in acquiring cutting-edge skills in teaching and school promotion to help improve teacher welfare and promote economic well-being. Speaking about teachers' conditions of service, he encouraged public and private school owners to pay teachers well and invest enormously in their development. Mr Ogodoro said he founded the Nigerian Teachers Facebook community in 2016 as a platform for teachers to share free resources for quality teaching and networking. Mr Ogodoro is an alumnus of the University of Reading, where he earned a PhD in education. The National Association of Head Teachers Union reports on its website that leaders representing schools across Wales were joined by their Education Minister Jeremy Miles as they debated key issues for schools in Wales at NAHT Cymru's annual policy conference. Delegates will debate and agree key policy objectives on curriculum and assessment, accountability, well-being, funding, as well as a range of other issues. Karina Hansen, president of NAHT Cymru, thanked him for joining to hear the concerns of school leaders in Wales. 
This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today, I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears, giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want, window select which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned, there is. Finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar, right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Oh, sorry, I was struggling to unmute myself then, right? Welcome back and thank you for staying tuned with us. We are still here with the late show with the, I've just become your number one fan, I think, David, honestly, organizational <laughs> skills <can>. wise. <laughs> no, I'm taking notes of myself. This is fabulous, right? We've talked about lots of things on the show with regards to cognitive science and cognitive load theory and how we can support an array of learners, you know, process and retain and, you know, reapply knowledge in different uh, situations. Got lots of teaching tips and how to overcome the, the burden of having to worry about have I got time to teach them how to make you know graphic <laughs> organizers etc. I'm going to skip the question I was going to ask you in fairness if that's okay, David. Next, because I think you've, they've already answered it in terms of can we as educators use graphic organizers? Because I know there's umpteen people who I follow yeah. from the back we've seen who are for one reason or the other choosing to undertake additional qualifications whilst also remaining in full time employment. We hate ourselves. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> obviously for progression etc um i mean i think extra tips actually for us as educators in terms of you know i'll give you a prime example and i i come home you know on friday when i was telling you about promoting the show i actually got home yeah. very late on friday due to dealing with some safeguarding matters which obviously were dealt with and everything was fine thankfully um teachers were tired we come home, mm. we've got our lives outside of school, you know, family commitments, etc., and whatnot, trying to attempt to have social life still <laughs> amongst everything else. We're tired, we've got limited time. Can how much can graphic organizers in particular help us, you know, undertake NPQH, for example, or NPQSL or studying for an MA or what have you? Any yeah, any I, tips or tricks for us? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I very just the same as how I use them with my students. Um Depending on the nature, again, depending on the nature of the task, the 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 language used. Well, if, if if I'm going to use an organizer like tonight to prepare for the show, I've I've, I've sort of just chunked me chunked all my information. So I've, I've produced a mind map that's there just to just give me sort of a, a prompt. Um, 
when I so when I'm reading a book, one of the things that frustrates me about a, a lot of books is they don't have a margin that's wide enough. So I want a margin that's wide enough so I can actually take notes in the margin. I feel so seen and understood right it's, now, David. You have no idea. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I, so when I get when I get I, a book where the margin's big, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, brilliant. But so usually what I do is when I'm doing my, my reading is I'll put I'll, I'll underline things. Or I'll use post-it notes, and then I'll get my notebook and I'll pull out all of the things that I want from from out of the book. And then again, it it goes back to that that organizing of the ideas that suits my needs in terms of what I want to what I want to use it for and to to help build up an argument or to, to you know to, to the best sequence that I want my um, my information to go in and and again I think for busy teachers and for teachers that maybe not, not necessarily want to, to create an organizer just a pad of sticky notes just get a pad of sticky notes and if, Think about how one of the things that I'm, I'm very passionate about, and this is, uh, again, through working with Oliver, is writing to space. So I, I, I set myself a space to write to as an opposed to a word count. And by doing so, and obviously if you've got an assignment, you, you, you've got to have word counts and things like that. But if not, if, if you've not got those restrictions writing to space forces you to get rid of the stuff that's redundant and isn't needed. And the, one of the best apps I've, I've got, this is going to sound really nerdy, but download the Chambers Thesaurus app. It, it just, it's elevated my writing immensely just because it's there, it's on my phone and, and I use it probably every day. So the, the, the Chambers Thesaurus app, but writing like uh, journalistic writing is is the sort of style that, that that we write with and how i've developed that as well as being coached by oliver is by reading the work of the sort of people whose style i want to emulate so i, I now subscribe to the guardian weekly and it's not necessarily for the it's i mean yes the content but it's not exclusively for that but it's also how how well it's written how they're able to communicate things, complex things, very, very easily and and really get that across to someone like myself who's very busy, might not have the time to immerse myself in something and become an expert, but I've got some grounded understanding of it because it, it's, it's communicated so effectively. So best tips I can give are find the people, you know, find things that... It, or authors or writers and and things that will influence you and try to emulate it keep a notebook with you uh, so i have a a small small notebook it's i think it's a6 and they're about 75p they're called muji m-u-j-i 75p each I, I buy them in bulks of 10 and 20 and i always have one on me and i dedicate one to each of, of my various different david are we related and... by any <laughs> I, I feel just... so seen right now. You're you're talking about things that I also have, not at the level you do in terms of reading as much with research for style, but I also shop at Muji. I was this is and this and this is the thing that. <laughs> so that... if you're geeky, then you're not alone, my friend. I am with yeah, you. Yeah, no, but, but it, but this is this is the thing that that I, I found so like working with Oliver, like that that, pick, that I didn't know about him before was he just has so many interests beyond education. So. 
it, it's he is interested in so many different fields of expertise and that and you can tell where you can start to see his influences and where it comes from and it, it, it it's it's influenced me to to broaden my you know my sort of field of vision and like I, I was I was writing blogs before I started develop, working on the book but I, I read them back and think oh that Whereas now I'm thinking, hey, hey, like, everyone uh, starts somewhere. Come on. Ab- yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, at some stage, weren't they? So let's yeah, yeah, abs- ab- it's yeah, your journey, absolutely. Isn't it? Um, but but now I just think, it, it just write with a, a a level of clarity and simplicity that it, it's not about using words that that make me sound more intelligent than I am, and think it's it's about mm. delivering something with real clarity, so that you know teachers that, as you've said. We're very time, you know. Time is not something that we've got the luxury of, so we need we need information given to us simply, time efficiently, you know, effectively. So that you know, that's sort of like where all of my sort of lines of thinking are, and 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 how I'm I'm continuing to develop. I feel so much cooler now. I know you do things that I do. Like I'm the geek, being geeky is cool. Everyone, you've heard it. I, th- I, I think so. <laughs> I now, linked to this time, I, I have to ask this question, not just for our listeners, just for me, mm. because I'm absolutely fascinated. One of my personal dreams is to hopefully one day write my own book. Mm. How on earth have you found the time amongst all the different roles that you hold? You know, and, and, you know, going to weddings, et cetera, as well, having a social life. I've had my own wedding as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and your own wedding, exactly. Well, how, one. Where do you start? Like, if you say, mm. I, want, I want to write a book. What next? Number, number what one, happens? have a have an understanding family. Um, that's <laughs> that's definitely number one. Um, Was it part of your vows at your wedding then that you, oh, you'll stay with me and write my own book? <laughs> I, well, I, I, I think I, I was told like you're not doing any more, and and oh. a couple of weeks later I'd started on the second one. <laughs> so, and and now I'm working there, on. Some, You've got a yeah, keeper there, David. <laughs> and then I've got number two. I'm working on. So no, what what? So it's the. The, again, the way the way we went about organise ideas was, I mean, I approached Oliver with the idea of writing a book together, and it was very much just a joke. I, I didn't actually think he'd take me up on it. And um, the the way we went about doing it was, we established very early on that there'd be five sections to the book, so we we, we were very firm on that, and it was going to feel like an extension of dual coding with teachers, and then. The first phase is is just the collecting, so it's just all the reading, and and it's it's quite when when you look back and you think how many hours you've spent reading, how many books you've read, and how little it sort of features in your own work, it's it's, it's pretty staggering when you you're reading three four hundred page books and you, you sort of get two two A five pages out of it, like it's so that that's. <laughs> But that's the first stage is, is all the reading, is all the background reading that you that you, you you need to do. And it's about then again just sort of organizing things because we 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 sort of layer things up. So like like I said at the start of the show, you've got cognitive load theory, but then you've got evolutionary psychologist work that, that can broaden our understanding of that. So we, we want to to convey that. We don't just want to say this is cognitive load theory because we, we know that and there's, there's people far better than us that have been able to explain what cognitive flow theory is and, and, and strategies to address it. So it's about giving a new perspective on it and a new sort of looking at it through a different lens. And so th- that's the first part of the reading. 
then it's the organizing phase and and then you can start to get to work on it and we think of when we're writing most most people that write will will think of chapters and they, they might not necessarily have how many pages in mind their chapter is going to be you know it just flows from page to page to page but we think of it very much more like um each sort of key idea is a double page spread and then by we're able to predict fairly early on just how many pages we've got because we we dedicate a double page spread to to each of the main ideas mm-hmm. and we restrict ourselves to that so we don't have for example the, the mill and donald's work on the external memory field that doesn't go over anymore that's two pages we might speak about it again later in the book but there's two pages dedicated to it it's our review of that theory and what it means for classroom practitioners and then there's two pages on cognitive load theory what it is what that means for classroom practice practitioners a, a double page spread on gestures a double page spread on spatial metaphors so we it's it double page and that's how we think about it because when you write to space you are forced to really put down on paper the most important things and it prevents you just from doing what I'm doing now which is verbal diary you don't you, you just not you, you're not writing things for the sake of it you you're really sort of frugal with your words and and more purposeful and meaningful I also like the fact that right to space from a student's perspective as well as I think a, like an adult's perspective it's actually far uh it's, less intimidating you've got a number it's actually yeah. quite stressful like you know 500 600 1000 it's actually quite worrying whereas if you've got space personally don't know if you agree or not but i think that's actually more unintimidating if you've got a space that, sort that, of restriction actually, if you will and, and actually if you fully if you if you understand something fault like if you if you have a really deep and, and, and secure understanding of something you should be able to explain it with clarity to someone that hasn't and you should be able to do so in really succinctly without having to overwhelm without having to it's it's knowing the you knowing your audience as well isn't it it's not using words that are, are going to alienate someone and, and then just disengage with what what it is you want to get across to them it's that old einstein quote isn't it i can't remember yeah the yeah, what it is, if but you, if you can't explain something do you know simply it? you don't understand it exactly absolutely yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Yeah, I'm, re- I'm reading a, a lot of books on ex- explaining at the moment, so explanations, and that might give you a... a Should your family be worried? Future... Is that another book coming? <laughs> that's a, that's a, it's a future project. It's, it's, it's a future project. It's on hold at the moment. But reading a lot of books on, on explaining, and, and there's a, a, a fantastic book, uh, a, a company... Oh, I cannot recall their name. I'll tweet it, but a company that specialises in explaining things. So huge, huge companies like Google... Uh, Dropbox, they they they've, they've used them in the past to help explain to customers their products, and the, the, one of the key ideas behind it is the language needs to be simple for people that just don't know what what this thing is to be able to access it, and and it's all about how to use analogies and, and how to build on what people might already know about something that's familiar that isn't the same thing to help deepen and, and develop understanding of something so See, now, sadly if we had more time which sadly we do not i, would I know and I, your I opinion. Go... <laughs> there was an edge of twitter debate i don't know if you saw it or not david i think it was last week where 
Ed, you, I don't know if it was 50-50 split, but there was quite, um, there was a lot of contention around the language utilised in research papers. And half mm. was, a certain group of people were saying that it's wrong to, you know, have it laden with all these really technical phrases because, you, as, you, as you said, you alienate readers. Yeah. And other people are like, well, actually, no, it's a, it's an academic piece of writing. It needs to have these phrases and these this terminology in there. If you if you take that away, it's not a credible piece of research anymore. Yeah. So there is I, I that for say... some Without engage, yeah, without engaging in the, I, I tend to distance myself from these debates now. I don't blame you. I, I don't <laughs> but exactly but if, I, if, I, if, I, if I was to have my say, I would say academic research papers are right to include that language and it is the role of people that write books and and do all of that sort of work with teachers and teacher development and teacher coaching. It's the role of them to and communicate that to the audience in a, in a simpler fashion. That that would be my sort of my sort of take on it. You heard it here first, people. Yeah, that 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 because the the conversations that I will have with people, like the the conversations I will have when like Oliver and I are planning something, you know, the sorts of terms and, and, and words that we use will be different. But with you know, he, he said to me very early on. Don't use words like that. It's like it's it's pointless. Just you you're not there to prove to somebody you're into. Like you're there to to deliver a message that it can be accessed by by anyone that's reading it. So you know the sorts of words you use with your peers, your expert peers, will be different mm-hmm. to the people that are new to something for the first time. And it goes back to what I said at the start of the show: having empathy with your audience, having empathy with your students that. They are a novice in your subject is exactly the same for someone that's reading a neuroscience article like they're not an expert in that they don't know the term terminology so somewhat there's a middleman that that simplifies that for them so that'd be my opinion i'm very impressed you know that was less than two minutes as well so salute you <laughs> that that's how you should you see this is why david doesn't get involved and get dragged into beef on educative because he gives lovely answers like that <laughs> i just haven't got no, time I, I kind of just I, keep away as well it's good I, for my I, health I, some, I sometimes think we, we just need to take, take a step back and just remember that we are professionals that are mm. actually a day in day out telling our reminding our students about how we how we talk to one another, how we treat one. I've got nothing, you know. There's nothing wrong with having a debate, but I just think no, sometimes I think, it, I think, it, it yeah, borders they, on. Yeah, it, it's it's. I think it's in in, in people's defence. It's sometimes they vent, they feel passionate about something, yeah. and you know, it, it just it happens. But you're absolutely right. It's it's it's. it's I I joined it's Twitter, funnily and... enough, in November as a form of like respite. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes, like, I'm not going to go on Twitter today because I'm getting stressed. It's time consuming, <laughs> doesn't? Yeah, I I don't spend as much. I, I mean, I do. I, you know, I'm on their daily, but. I don't spend as much time, sort of. I just haven't got time. You're no, too I've busy got... reading and making notes and writing yeah, books. Yeah, and, and, and you and promised you then, wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and even then, that slowed down quite a, quite a bit since I I had COVID and and just oh, you know nice. wanting to spend more time with my family because it, it was it and and I will say that it is a something that you have to have that that support behind you because you know it, you have to appreciate that for them when I'm sat working till late at night or when I'm getting up early in the morning and I'm working and weekends and half terms, et cetera, it's, it is a lot to ask. But, yeah. And you're very lucky to have them. 
definitely. Yes, and they're absolutely. lucky to have you too because you sound absolutely. like a wonderful person who has been an absolute pleasure to have on the show, David. Thank you so, so much for giving up your Saturday evening for myself Thank and you. our lovely Teach Talk Radio listeners who are listening live. And I'm sure lots of you can listen back later on Catch Up. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show, David. Thank you so, so much thank again. You. Um, and thank you for everyone who's tuned in and listened live to us tonight. And please, if you've enjoyed tonight's show, do make sure you tune in again tomorrow because we've got a lot of lot, lots of really good shows on for you tomorrow. We've got Jaya on first thing in the morning for breakfast show. And she's actually got Vivian Porritt with her for International Women's Day, followed by um, Canada Merchant with his brunch show. No show from Khalil, unfortunately, um, in the middle of the lunch. Then we've got Kaylee back on for Twilight Show. And then we've got Paul Etox turn this week for the late show. So make sure you tune in to listen to my fellow host tomorrow. So everyone, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. Dave, once again, thank you. Have a lovely evening. And everyone else, thank you. take care. And keep making sure you're tuning in to Teach Talk Radio. Have a lovely evening, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.